people are actually saying, oh, they did really well, you want to give them a call, you know, which is the best form of advertising. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. My guest today is a very interesting lady. She has been around the world a few times. She traveled as a child a lot because of her upbringing in the hotel industry. And of course, she still travels for her job. When you travel once, you can never stop traveling. That is, a, it goes into, into your blood. You start having airplane kerosene in your blood flow. So um, I think that's what happened to Becky Mullins as well. Becky Mullins is a model, an ex-model, and she is an, a, a PR and event organizer. And uh, I think we'll just take it from there. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Becky. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for asking me. It's a huge pleasure to talk to you because I don't know you well, and I think we're going to find out a lot of stuff during this time here. So, Becky, I, I asked the question, everybody at the beginning, when were you on a plane the first time? Oh, goodness. As a baby, actually. I was quite fortunate. My parents travelled, you know, a lot of my friends. I remember being at school and being really jealous that my friends were going to holiday camps in the UK. Why are we going Why are we going to all these holidays? <laughs> but now, looking back, I mean, how privileged I was, really. Yeah, so from very, very young age, baby, I think. So you obviously don't remember that first flight, but uh, so you travelled around. Isn't that funny because, um, you know, most people would say, oh, holiday camp in England, who wants to go in? A <laughs> so isn't it interesting that we are always kind of wanting the thing that we don't have? I know, exactly. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, it just seems so fun that they were going to these places, which now I look at and think, oh, God, I can't think of anything worse, you know, with these theme parks and water to rides and you know I was like I want to go there <laughs> I know like and, and and lots of kids in one room and smelly feet and I don't know <laughs> so um but you were telling me that your father worked for um Baron Forte I was a tour guide when I was young and I remember working for the, for a few weeks in Sardinia and I think there was a there was a Forte village yeah yeah I've, I've stayed there it's yeah it's the Forte village yeah so yeah. that's part of the company. Yeah, so Trust House 40 was a, a huge um, company. It was owned by Lord and Lady 40. They founded it. Um, they went on to own um, The Little Chef in the UK. I'm not sure whether they, they was abroad. Lily White's, the sports shop at Piccadilly, um, Happy Eater. It was a huge, huge corporate company. Um my dad had two brothers that were valets at the Grosvenor House on Park Lane. They were his older brothers. So my dad got into the job as age 16 and he actually stayed till he retired. He was oh there years. Um, and what actually happened from that is um, he formed, you know, he was very good at his job and he formed a relationship and he ended up becoming, um, he was obviously still working in the hotel, but becoming very good friends with Lord and Lady Forty and their personal ballet, uh, valets at their private residence. So, yeah, they, they, you know, they became sort of, my dad became sort of almost like an extended part of their family. 
How amazing. How amazing when you think in today's world, you know, that somebody, first of all, it must have been a very big opportunity for him to get to be able to do this at, at such a young age. And on the other hand, he paid back by being faithful and by being uh, loyal to, to somebody who had given him an opportunity. That doesn't happen so much anymore in today's world. I think, to be honest with you, I think they were a lovely Italian family. I mean, in my experience as a child, every single Christmas, without fail, the fourth, you know, they used to lay on a big Christmas party at the Grosvenor House for every staff member and their children. And we'd go and it'd be in the great ballroom and we'd have dinner. Then there'd be a Santa Claus and you'd go and you'd get the most amazing, you know, not these cheap presents, you'd get the most amazing gift. Every child. And it was all free. And that's what they did for their employees. I mean, they were, you know, my dad, I think it's give and take. Being an employer now, I think if you're good to your staff, you get that loyalty, you get that respect back. Um, and not only did they do that, they then did an adult dinner dance with a band, again, free for every single employee at that hotel, which is unheard of really now. There's not many companies that still look after their staff like that. and. Um, you know, sadly, you know, when I was about 21, I, I lost my brother. And um, I always remember Lord Forty ringing up. They paid for my mum, dad and me and my sister to go on this cruise um, and then stay in one of their hotels in Athens so that we could all grieve together as a family. I mean, you know, that is such, you know, they were such beautiful people. Um, I mean, sadly, they're both gone now. Um but yeah, it was, you know, we got the opportunity to travel because my dad got excellent rates and or sometimes they would give stuff to uh, employees, you know, for their service or, you know, I mean, my dad was there 60 years. So, um, you know, we, we, we did go to the Sandy Lane in Barbados when they owned that, you know, and so many beautiful hotels, the, the Porte Village that you mentioned, we've been there and yeah, that those opportunities were through my dad's job. So we kind of grew up in that industry. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm sorry about your brother, but on, I mean, it's amazing what they did for you, how they understood that you needed to, to grieve and that they organized that for you. And you went to Athens. You were, were you know, I, I'm in Cyprus. So you were, you were in, in Greece. Did you enjoy Athens? Do you remember? I do remember. Um, I remember it was one of the hottest days. And of course, there's quite a lot of walking in Athens, isn't there? <laughs> and I just remember we had to keep stopping and, and getting, uh, you know, refreshment stops because it was so hot. And I think where it's quite, uh, there's quite a lot of buildings and sites in Athens, isn't there? And so it was there just is, and a lot of stones. Yeah, exactly. The humidity. I always remember us just being like, oh my goodness, this is so hot. And of course, when you're on a cruise, you have a day, you know, the, the little boat takes you to the shore, you have your day of excursions, and then you get back on the boat. So it's not like you can think, oh, let's go home and we'll we'll come out again tomorrow. Yeah. You know, that day to get cramming all it's the time. It's now or never. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I do remember it being extremely hot. <laughs> 
Uh, that is that, so. You must have like a whole, just a whole book of memories or a whole pile of memories just from that, just from actually traveling with your parents, and you weren't even grown up by that time. So, you became a model. How did you become a model? Um, so just fell into it. I mean, I'm very tall. I was very skinny. My mum cursed me. She said at forty that um, I would put on weight, and she was right. It piled on. <laughs> I used to be able to eat what I like, but yeah, so I, I, I sort of travelled. I was in uh, in Hong Kong and Chicago and did a job in Israel. So yeah, no, places. I mean, Israel was a place I probably wouldn't have booked to go, if I'm honest. But it was a place, obviously, I got the opportunity to see through work, which was great. You know, another... Um, I, I have this thing where I've like got this little checklist. I think, oh... I haven't done that part yet. I mean, I haven't really done Canada and um, that kind of area and some of the states. And I'm thinking, right, well, I need to get a little bit more travel over that area in the next few years. We do that. You know, we tend, I sometimes go back to places where I have been before and I think I shouldn't do that. I should go to places where I haven't been. But, you know, sometimes it's somebody we know or sometimes it's a good place that we like. So I agree with you. I can highly recommend Canada if you haven't. I I took my kids uh, three, four years ago. I was there as a tour guide, but then four years ago, we, we just flew to Calgary and rented a car and drove through the parks to Vancouver. It's amazing. I haven't done anything like that. I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, we had all the uh, the hotel opportunities. Um, one thing I should mention is, so Lord and Lady Forty had a uh, son called Rocco, who now owns Brown's Hotel, which is just along from Claridge's. And he was a really big runner. So he formed a running club, the Forte Running Club, which my dad is a marathon runner. He became part of. So there was another opportunity to travel there because the wives and children got to go. And my dad did like the New York Marathon, uh, the Boston. He was there when that all that drama went on with, you know, the bomb that went off. I mean, he was lucky we was not involved in that. But, um, you know, he's done marathons. We did the Rome Marathon and we got to go with all the Forte group. So become like a little group. So, yeah, I mean, just travelled extensively everywhere, really. I mean, yeah, just... Did you do photographs or did you do runway modelling or did you do both? I loved Hong Kong. I mean, I did go there. I have got friends that are still in Hong Kong. Um, I mean, I was there before it went back to um, the Chinese. So when I was there, it was uh, a British colony. Um in actual fact, I was there in 96 and it, it kind of went back following year. And um, we did actually see Chris Patton. They were doing, you could see they were getting it ready for the big celebrations for it going back to China. But yeah, I loved Hong Kong. I would definitely would go back. Although I have spoken to friends that are still there and they said it, it's slightly different now. It's not British. You know, there's a lot more rules and a lot more, obviously, they're a little bit more conservative with how they live, aren't they? So, but yeah, no, it, it was great, Hong Kong. I loved it. And I was young. And I was- yes, of course, when we are young, things are different. <laughs> because it's funny that you're saying that because my daughter did an internship in Hong Kong. She went to a Lausanne hotel school and she did a six month internship. And we went to visit her in uh, uh, 2016. And I was actually talking to her today about big cities because big cities are tiring when you when you get a little older it's not the same anymore when you're 25 and you can run around like you know there there is no end big cities are fun but later on in life 
day, maybe the first couple of days are fun, but then you get fed up. I get fed up with big cities now. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I do still like, it's funny. I, I love going, a city break, city breaks is one of my favourite actually, because I just love it. And especially being in London, it's so easy for us to kind of just fly to, I don't know, Barcelona or Seville or wherever and, and do a little weekend and that's kind of enough, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't think I could do a week in those places. A week in New York, sort of, no, 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 not anymore. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, but yeah, it is a little bit more exhausting. Do so, you, yeah. do you, um, you told me before we started recording that your mom is French, so you must know France quite well. I actually, well, she's like half French. So when we was small, my parents, we had a like a, place near Frejus, which is down in the south. So we used to travel like loads. My mum and dad was a bit, my mum was a bit hippie, really. I mean, when I think back, you know, they bought this old van and renovated it. So there used to be me and my sister and brother, and we'd all pile into this van and we'd take a couple of days driving down. And it was always very exciting because we'd get on the ferry at Dover at like four or five o'clock in the morning. And then we'd arrive in France. Then we'd spend a couple of days just sort of traveling down through France. And um, then they sort of bought a place in the Dordogne, which is in the countryside, um, which as we got older, they was like, oh, you know, um, you lot don't want to come here anymore. I mean, now I would absolutely love if they had that place. <laughs> I mean, it was like kitchen postcards, stone, um, they completely renovated it. Um, you know, there was big old fireplaces that someone had painted white paint over. My mum and dad brought it back to the original brickwork. And at that time in that area, I mean, I'm 50 this year, you know, I'm going back when I'm sort of eight or nine. There wasn't really British tourists. And it was, it was quite funny because the little town had this little waterfall fountain in the middle of it. And you'd see all the old Frenchmen, you know, with the flat cap and their little uh, coffees. And we'd come in in this van and we'd be exhausted by that point. So me and my sisters and brothers would have our legs hanging out the window. and We'd have the British number plate. And they'd all sort of stop, put their coffee cup down, scratch their heads and go, oh, la, la, crazy English. <laughs> the hippies have arrived. <laughs> we bought this. Honest to God, if you first looked at it, you'd think, oh, my God, you're mad buying that house. But my mum and dad had a vision, and they did make the vision. But, you know, growing up down there, you know, it was uh, opposite the house was a farm, and the farmer's wife, you know, they could speak better English than what we could French as a, as a child because in Europe it's, it's languages are promoted a lot faster. We're a bit lazy in England. We don't really push children to, to study another language. So, But we'd all, you know, we'd play for hours in the French countryside, not really sort of, you know, broken French, broken English, you know, but had the best time of my life, you know, really growing up in that beautiful environment was, was lovely. It really sounds like fun. And I can see that, actually see that van in front of me, you know, <laughs> and, and just just being free, you know, free and wild and young. It's so, I mean, your parents must have been amazing people. They were very, um, you know, I, I, I'm lucky. At the time when you're a child, you don't realise it, do you? And But, you know, looking back, you know, I did. I was very, very lucky, you know. You know, travelled extensively. I mean, even if to have a house in France, I mean, you're going back sort of 40 years. 
it's, you know, it, you know, I mean, all my friends used to think, oh my God, they're like really rich. We wasn't. My mum and dad just worked really, really hard. Um, you know, my dad was in an industry where he would get looked after by people, you know. And so we just um we just was lucky. They were just very sensible, you know, invested in this little rundown little house and made it into something really beautiful amazing amazing and you know the thing you said about the English not uh, learning languages is is actually our fault because we accommodate you we learn English so the world speaks English so English speaking people don't need to learn any other languages because wherever they go they will find somebody who can they can communicate with um I just in October I was in Cannes so one of my clients is quite a well-known actor and he's just turned his hand to directing and he won all the Cannes short film awards so we went out to Cannes and it was lovely because of obviously the way the weather is at the moment I mean it was beautiful weather we were sitting in a beach club you know having the most beautiful lunches right on the seafront and I mean normally end of October you wouldn't be able to do that in France but um I was really trying because I mean my big dream is I would like to end up in the south of France I just love France it's a place I never tire of um and I love sort of just everything about it so I've been kind of doing like a online class in my French and um I was trying to speak French and I was trying to order and they kept answering me in English and I was like in the end I said to the guy I'm trying to learn my French he said okay okay you order the lunch in French, you know. I mean, I, ha I had to ask him, please, please let me speak French because I really want to practice. I'm here. I want to practice and I want to know if I'm saying it right, if you understand me, because, of course, it's not the same when you're learning it online, is it? You know, you're just sort of hearing it. I wanted to sort of, you know, be in the field as such and, and practice it. But, yeah, it's so true what you say. I absolutely agree. And I had the very same experience when I came to Cyprus the first time because Cyprus was a British colony and everybody here speaks English. And I had been in Greece for two summers and I had learned Greek because I was in Skiathos in the north and nobody spoke English. So I had to learn. You know, that's the best way to learn. And I came here and I wanted to use my Greek and nobody spoke to me in Greek. I was blonde. You know, I looked foreign as soon as you look foreign people speak to you in English and I had exactly the same reaction like you please speak to me in Greek because I want because I, I know you know I can if I want to so it's true but then on the other hand people mean well you know they want to it's kind of a difficult situation because they want you to feel good and and, and help you and, and then you don't appreciate it I know I know it is difficult. I mean um I mean so when I go away if I'm in France and I'm I, I go very, very tanned because obviously just that real Mediterranean skin. And it, I can sometimes have the other way. <laughs> I remember me and my daughter, because she's very like me, we was in the bank. They were chatting away to us because they thought we were French, like, you know, because we looked French, you know, the dark hair slicked back, very, very tanned. You know, we can, when I've got a suntan, I can look quite sort of Frenchy looking. <laughs> Mediterranean, yeah. Uh, so tell me now, after all this fun traveling as a young person and modeling, you do PR and you organize events. Some of those events sound glamorous. Yeah, um, we started doing sort of fashion events because obviously that was my background. Everyone will tell you there isn't people in fashion, they, you know, they struggle financially. It's, it's very 
Card. So we launched a corporate division, which is quite funny because it's gone full circle now because now we're doing a lot of corporate events as well where they want it in big hotels. So I'm doing events in like the Grosvenor and the Dorchester Hotel where, you know, I, I, I know well. Yeah, we do, um, we do PR. And then through that, I mean, I'm always a believer if I'm managing a brand or somebody for PR, the world is a big place. So rather than just trying to promote them in the UK, I always try to think on a big, bigger platform globally. So we've done, we've managed to uh, ascertain partnerships with people that do what I do, but in other parts of the world and us coming together so that their clients can take part in London and we can get give them the London support and my clients can take part in other countries as well. So that's meant, obviously, we've done a lot of work and a lot of shows in Milan and in Italy for Milan Fashion Week. I'm flying out to Paris at the end of the month. We're planning a show at the Eiffel Tower for Paris Fashion Week with uh, a guy I work with who's got a company out there. We're in talks at the moment to do a big event in Dubai. So, yeah, it's um, through work as well. That's great because I love traveling. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that you're my kind of girl. All this glamour and all this organizing is hard work. It's not what it seems. I mean, people have often have a very wrong idea of what this is. No, I mean, I did an event just recently and it, it was a London event and it was a, a big beauty conference two days but me and my team got there at half seven in the morning to make sure everything was ready because they was having a breakfast it went on all day they had a party that night so we basically waited till the end because there was a few things that needed to be picked up after the party so we were ended up doing from half seven in the morning till like about one o'clock in the morning so long long days and of course in that day you know, when they're doing the conference, you're not working and you think, oh, well, you're not working those hours. But that becomes long because you're standing there for three or four hours, you know, waiting for the next part that you have to do, you know. So it can be quite tiring and can be quite. But, yeah, I mean, it is great. I mean, I do I do love piecing things together. And but again, as you say, I mean, there comes a lot of with that, you know, when it's great when they happen, but we do also, unfortunately, have to deal with a lot of people have these big ideas. And then when it comes down to it, oh, no, I haven't got the money. <laughs> so Exactly. exactly. This, this is that's, you know, there's a lot of glamour sometimes without any financial backing or people, you know, it's not always what it seems, I think, in, in, in this world. No, I mean, we're lucky, you know, it's just built up slowly. I mean, we're lucky that we're very sort of friendly. We're very professional hands-on team. I mean, I've just had a call this morning for a huge event and it's come from word of mouth. That's great. People are actually saying, oh, they did really well. You want to give them a call, you know, which is the best form of advertising. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you said something else before about your father and, and about the employers. When you treat people well, people will treat you well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think as well, I think people realise, you know, I have a conscience um, which, you know, nowadays companies, big corporate companies, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know. I think 
when I'm dealing with a client, I'm very involved. I'm very on the phone. Hey, what do you think about this? Okay, no, that's fine. We won't do that. What about this? You know, I'm involved with the whole process. And I think they appreciate that. So there's no doubt when it gets to that event that they've got everything they wanted because we've gone through every step of the way with them. But a lot of companies don't do that. So that's our kind of selling point, really, that we're very involved in the whole process and and reassuring them. You know, if you are putting on a big event and you are spending a lot of money, you know, you don't just want someone to say, oh, I can do that. And then you don't hear from them until you see them at the event. You almost have to nurture that client and make them feel reassured that, it's going to be okay and it's going to be everything that their vision is for that, you know, event. So, yeah, no, it's good. So that that too has sort of led me to sort of traveling quite a bit as well, which yeah. is good. This sounds like, you know, when I was a tour guide, people want to be taken by the hand and they want to be taken to the nicest places and they want to be taken to the nicest restaurants and they want to be given the best that uh, they have paid for. And um, I think this is exactly what you're doing. And and I like the way your company sounds. It sounds very grounded to me. Hmm. I do a lot of sort of self-help stuff in my private life, uh, spiritual practices. You know, I'm, I'm eight years in recovery after a wild party in youth. <laughs> so for me, you know, I do, my life is led on the rule of karma. You know, uh, that's that's just me, my personal life. You know, I treat people how I want to be treated. I can't do anything which is going to leave me feeling, you know, that I've done something wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. I had it the other sweet shop. I literally went in the sweet shop and the guy gave me change of £20 note and I'd only given him a £10 note. I had to go back in and tell him and be honest. That's how, very much how I live my life because, you know, and I think doing all of that stuff it kind of makes you quite grounded I don't take anything for granted you know it's we just we're all very grateful be grateful you know I mean November was very quiet for me I had a lot of fear you know but I have an inner faith it'll it'll pass it'll be okay and you know I don't let that alter my behavior in a fear of desperation or you know I've got to do this I've got to do that you know I'll do that to get money I just ride the wave and sure enough December we had a really busy Christmas and now January we've come back and it's like wow it's the first day back and it was like all these things were coming in I was like oh my goodness I can't cope with everything that's coming in (laughs) so amazing I love yes. that. I love the way you're, you're, you know, the, the the karma. I love the um the honesty because honesty always pays. And treating other people the way you want to be treated should be everybody's mantra, but it's not. Now I have a question, Becky. What would be your dream event? Who would have to call you or send you an email and tell, hey, you know, I, I want you to do that? What would it be? Do you know? So basically, as I've gone deeper into my recovery and my spiritual practices I'm really drawn towards everything well-being so my my big it's on my manifestation board for this year I would love to do a really beautiful retreat and possibly a women event retreat you know where women can go and really work on themselves um where would I like to do it 
um, a place I've never, ever been. So I might go and hate it, but one of my big destinations I'd love to go to is obviously India or Bali. Like there are two places I haven't been and two places that I know are very, very spiritual. So my ideal event would be to do some big, well, not even big, but a lovely, beautiful wellness event. And that would be, an, I'd love to do a wellness event. That would be a, a good, I've kind of done everything else. I've done all the fashion weeks and we still do that. And that's my bread and butter. And we still do a lot of corporate. You know, I'm dealing with four corporate already that we've got inquiries of just in the last two days. Uh, and obviously the corporates involve the big hotels, the ballrooms, the, the dinners. Yeah, if I could, one of them area that I haven't done and it's an area I'd like to go into is wellness and particularly Fantastic. women. Yeah. I will do some self-advertising here because I am a very good NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist. You could take me with you. Yes, amazing. Definitely, 100%. <laughs> so when you start planning, include me. Yes, I will, 100%. Yeah, no, something so I'm very... That is, that is fantastic. I, I think that also there is a lot of um, value in these, um, in these events, especially women who appreciate, who need, who are sometimes very tired, who work very hard, who also at a certain age sometimes realize that, you know, they... They, they didn't live enough and not live enough. Maybe that sounds wrong, but they worked so hard that they forgot to look after themselves. And I think there is a lot of people out there who are actually very good potential clients. Yeah, no. And it's interesting. Obviously, we met on the um, on the talk, the workshop that I did and obviously talked a lot about my story. You know, I, I my story is, you know, I had this beautiful upbringing and then married this horrible man and left him for domestic violence. And it's funny, after that talk, three people reached out to me on Instagram and said, I'm a businesswoman. I'm going through the same thing with, you know, and sometimes, you know, when children are involved, you know, you do lose yourself. I mean, I had to really look at it over Christmas. You know, uh, I work like a lunatic. I'm a mum. Um, my mother's just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. My father's looking after her. He's struggling now. They're both retired. So anytime I'm not working, I'm backwards and forwards. And I had to look at it over Christmas. I thought, I'm lost in all of this. Where is Becky? What does Becky want? You know, and I'm lucky with my recovery and having done a 12-step program, I'm able to pause and, and look at that stuff and, and think right okay and I've had to put some boundaries in around some things you know and you know I am going to Paris at the end of the month my friend who is I'm, I'm going to see who we're doing the show together he's also kind of very like me and he's like let's go and do a sound bath and just chill and I'm like amazing let's do it mm-hmm. you know it's important for me to have time and, and I think it's really travel on your own as well sometimes if you get the opportunity with work you know because for me I don't have time at all to just you know do anything so when I travel on my own I love it I'm in my hotel room I sit I read I might do a meditation and it's it's just 
that time to really regroup. And I think it is so important that we do. Women just take on so much. And I don't mean to sound really, you know, I've got a boyfriend and he's lovely and he's really supportive. But women definitely cope with more than men. My boyfriend could not do everything that I do. You know, I mean, I, I juggle so many plates, you know. And as women, we just take all that on and we don't really complain about it do we (laughs) absolutely absolutely and this is the thing about you telling your story because there are so many Beckys in this world you know and once you start telling your story so many women actually speak out as well and there is a thing about stories you know we should all tell our stories because your story could be somebody else's survival guide yeah I'm a great believer you know I mean i I recently started doing a lot more empowerment speeches and talks and telling my story and doing a lot. And you know what? I used to hide behind it when I was doing something work. I I, I was didn't want to talk about that because in fear that they might think I'm not professional or I wasn't up to the job. But the reality of it is it, it actually shows strength of character. And and sometimes we live in a world where, you know, we never really praise ourselves and say you know what Becky you've done really well there you know we we just don't do we don't actually give ourselves any any gratitude and um since I've been sort of doing all of this stuff a yes loads of business women have reached out to me with similar you know and asking for my advice and b it's made me feel even more grateful and even more grounded because yes I did have a beautiful upbringing I did travel a lot when I got married I mean it was horrendous you know I had really bad domestic violence I ended up homeless with four children um I battled my addiction and alcoholism um and then did all this work on myself formed my company and I'm doing well now most people wouldn't get through all of that so I think it is important to people to hear because there might be someone that's going through that and thinking my life's over I can't do it I've got children you know my children were all under 12 and I still carried on you know so it is possible it's just about step by step yes just it's not instant you know there was times when I'd wake up and I'd think I just don't even want to get out of bed today you know I've got these four kids and my kids were really badly damaged so their behavior was atrocious um and just thinking I can't do another day but then just changing that mindset right come on you can do this get up do this I took time out with the kids um I continue to even learning things online that would benefit me when I was in a position to go back to work you know all these little free courses that are sometimes on offer and it it benefited you know and now we're all my kids have done amazing at school um, and now we're in a position where, you know, we're enjoying it. Fantastic. And look at you now. I mean, this is the thing you see, and this is why it can be somebody else's survival guide. And I can tell you from my side, you've done a fantastic job in this podcast. So I usually don't make them much longer than half an hour, 40 minutes. So it's been amazing talking to you. If you had one last tip for somebody who wants to do something like you, what would you tell them? I think it's just networking, you know, always networking and building up those contact books of venues, clients, you know, a lot of my stuff is through people I've met or, you know, people um, 
from I've met at events or events I've done, you know, being nice, people then want to work with you. Like all the hotels love working with us. So that's great. Um, so yeah, that's that would be my tip. Networking and being kind and not mm -hmm. arrogant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This has been fantastic, Becky Mullins. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on Most Memorable Journeys. Thank you for asking me. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.